Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the On The Rocks podcast. This is Denver Post sports writer Kyle Newman alongside my colleague Patrick Saunders. And on this episode of the show, now you haven't heard us in a while since the season ended, but we're going to be discussing the 2020 Baseball Hall of Fame ballot with, of course, the big storyline here in Denver being Larry Walker's last year on the ballot. Now, Patrick, he made a huge jump last year, 20-some percent. He's going to have to make basically a similar jump this year to get to that 75% threshold in his 10th and final year. If you're on Twitter, you see the hashtag WalkerHOF all over the place, people pushing hard for him. What do you think? Does he have a chance this year in his final year to get in? I think he's got a chance, but Kyle, but I think it's an outside chance. Um, I believe, if my numbers are right, he would have to have the third largest vote increase in his final year. I think that's correct. But talking to people both at the end of last year after the 2019 class was announced and some people this offseason, I get the sense that he's going to come close, perhaps agonizingly close, but he just might end up short. Because I think you have to remember, too, uh, a lot of these voters in the Hall of Fame, be it active members who still cover baseball or holdovers, uh, a lot of them are East Coast-type people. And they have a perception, if they never saw Larry Walker play baseball in person or on TV even, uh, that he's some sort of mile-high creation. Uh, That's where I get sort of offended, if you will, because those same people would not blink an eye about patting their their East Coast-type candidates on the back saying, oh, he's a sure Hall of Famer. I saw him play. I know a Hall of Famer when I see him. Well... They never saw Larry Walker play, or a lot of them didn't. So the argument to me is kind of moot. Uh, but to answer your basic question, I think he's going to make a strong push. I just my gut tells me he's going to come up a little bit short. Yeah, it's it's a lot of ground to make up, and I think you're right. I think there will be some people changing their minds here in this final year. You always get that sentimental push uh, in the final year, but it's just a ton of ground to make up. And I mean, there there are certainly. Uh, tons of statistics to back up his inclusion into Cooperstown. Um, you know, look at career war. He had a higher career war than Derek Jeter, 72.7. And he's fourth among uh, players on the 2020 ballot behind only Bonds, Clemens, and Kurt Schilling. So uh, he, he's got the numbers. He 1997 NL MVP, seven-time gold glove, three-time silver slugger, uh, trio of NL batting titles, but, yeah, that, that core's narrative is going to be tough to counter. And, and hey, let's not discount this either because our uh, good compadre, Mark Kisla, mm-hmm. talking to him about Larry Walker, he does not vote for Larry Walker. And why, he says, because of the type of teammate in the clubhouse, things he and other journalists heard from you know guys being like, hey, this guy doesn't want to come to work and play every day. Now, I wasn't around covering him at that time, obviously. I was just a, a kid and a fan. Are, are those? Is there some truth to that, and, and should that keep him out of the Hall of Fame? There is some truth to it. I know a number of people, both locally and nationally, who basically think that Larry Walker at some times basically didn't, didn't pony up. In other words, why other players, other teammates, would play hurt, not injured, but hurt, uh, that Larry sometimes just didn't 
didn't post up. He didn't go to the poll. Um, so, yes, there is that sentiment. I think there was some uh, some sentiment of those who covered him, and I did not. I mean, I, I got caught up with him in his last year in Colorado and then saw him a few times when he was with the Cardinals. Um, but, yeah, there was some animosity between Walker and some of his teammates even, uh, notably Dante Bichette. Uh, so it, there is some of that sentiment out there. And I do know that some people on a national basis look at Larry Walker and they don't think he played enough games. They don't think he put together a consistently good production. And he missed, uh, you know, big chunks of seasons. Uh, so I think that's a legit uh, argument against him. However, I would say... Uh, there are a number of players, and I think that um, Ken Griffey Jr. is another one. And I'm not saying that Larry Walker's Ken Griffey Jr., uh, but if you look at average games per season, I think Larry Walker is actually ahead of Ken Griffey Jr. So it's a valid argument, but in my mind, Kyle, I don't think it's enough to keep him out of the Hall of Fame. And and you know that I am not a big sabermetric guy. I'm becoming more and more so. But I do think Larry Walker's basic numbers, his OPS plus, uh, his lifetime war, in addition to the things you already mentioned, the more traditional statistics and awards, I think all of that numerically and analytically, you put him side by side with other players, particularly other outfielders, and it puts them over the top, in my opinion. Yeah, and you mentioned the uh, percentage of games played for your team, and I, I believe he's like 78 and Ken Griffey Jr. is 76. We mentioned he has Walker has a higher career war than Derek Jeter. Okay, I mean, obviously, Ken Griffey Jr., Derek Jeter, these, these guys are on a different level, in, at least in my opinion, in terms of ball players and Hall of Fame ball players. But he's in that conversation with these greats and, and – vast numerical and statistical categories and also to the course fact let's let's also rehash yeah he played 10 years in Lodo he also played six years in Montreal and two in St. Louis so almost half his career outside of altitude uh, that's got to be weighed in as well well and I'm looking at this stat in front of me you know this is Larry Walker's road OPS okay and OPS to me is a a really good solid statistic particularly when you're talking about power hitters his road OPS of 865 is equal to or higher than the following Hall of Famers. Willie Stargell, Ken Griffey Jr., Reggie Jackson, Orlando Cepeda, Tony Gwynn, Al Kaline, George Brett, and Roberto Clemente. Now, that's just one stat, but we're talking road OPS for his career. So, to me, the the whole... Uh, idea that Larry Walker is some sort of Coors Field high-altitude creation simply doesn't hold water. And if people are going to not vote for Larry Walker simply because he played the best part of his career in Coors Field, well, you better take a hard look at what he did away from that ballpark, too. And let me say this, and and maybe I'm getting a little defensive about being a, a guy who covers a mountain time zone team, But I've made this point before. I'm not saying in every case, but in some cases, rather than penalize a guy because his numbers drop away from Coors Field, which happens to everybody, maybe look at it from another vantage point and say, wow, he actually still produced away from the ballpark given the fact that hitting at Coors Field and then having to go on the road and then come back and then go back on the road is a very difficult endeavor. So rather than simply outright penalize a guy because 
his number, home numbers were so great, why don't you give him the benefit of the doubt that it's a very difficult thing to go from a, a ballpark like Coors to the road and still be a productive hitter? And Larry Walker was that. Again, folks, On the Rocks podcast with Kyle Newman and Patrick Saunders just discussing the 2020 Hall of Fame ballot and Larry Walker's candidacy and Larry Walker's candidacy. Again, the only MVP in franchise history, five-time All-Star. We'll see after the new year if he's got enough gusto to get to that 75% mark. I want to read something really quickly as long as my blood is boiling here a little bit. I did a story last year after Larry Walker, or actually right when Larry Walker was on uh, on the eve of uh, the 2019 vote, and I talked to a number of people who had votes from all over the country, people I respect, uh, guys like Dan Shaughnessy from the Boston Globe, uh, uh, who said in his quote, uh, Walker was very good, just not Hall of Fame. Tom Verducci, in my mind, maybe the best ball, baseball writer on the planet. Uh, besides you. Besides me, right. And what I wrote was, he considers Walker a wonderful talent, but still struggles with the idea that he is a Hall of Famer. Now, I think Verducci, he was a little bit on the fence last year. But the quote that I want to read, and then I'll shut up, comes from uh, Derek Gould, um, who, uh, in my opinion, is also one of the best baseball writers around. And a lifesaver. Shout out to that. Saved the guy in the dugout he, this year he, at a Cardinals did. game by he performing did. CPR. Big stuff. And Derek Gould, by the way, uh, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, uh, Graduate of Centaurus High School, by the way. Uh, a Boulder, Boulder uh, in, guy. In Lafayette slash Louisville, yeah. So he's a, Den- a Colorado native, I believe. And this is what Derek told me last year, and, and I've talked to him recently. He still believes this. There may be some voters who want to make a course correction to his statistics, not me. I consider it in the same way I considered that designated hitter, Edgar Martinez, didn't play the field that much, and closer Mariano Rivera didn't start. Given what we know about current vote totals, neither have been held back by what they weren't. They are being celebrated for the player they were. Uh, in Mariano Rivera's case, he played for a team that called October Home, October Home and burnished his Hall of Fame career under baseball's brightest lights. Walker played for a team that Denver called Denver Home. Did they make the most of the role they had? Did they make the most of the situation baseball offered them? Were they greater than the elite in that situation? Did they rise beyond it? To me, the answer for Martinez and Rivera is the same answer for Walker, emphatically yes. So I think that's a really, really good way to put it. And I'm going to let Derek Gold be my last word. On the Rocks podcast, folks, and we're uh, before we close out this segment, we're going to fight here real quick, as we always do, over our mock Hall of Fame ballots. Neither of us have a uh, Writers Association vote. Saunders closing in here in a couple years on one. Uh, me, I still got almost a decade to go. But looking at the 2020 Hall of Fame ballot, uh, it's a little slimmer this year in terms of finding 10 guys to put down, the maximum of 10 that you can mark. Here's my ballot. And then I'll toss it over to you, Patrick, and you can uh, rattle off your projected ballot. I got Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Yes, I'm voting for the steroid guys and definitely would going forward as well. I got Helton and Walker, definitely Walker in his final year. Derek Jeter in his first year, I think he's going to be 
near unanimous, if not unanimous, like Rivera was last year. And I also got Scott Rowling, Kurt Schilling, and three that I put down, and maybe I wouldn't if I didn't have an actual vote, but Alfonso Soriano, Sammy Sosa, and Omar Vizquel. Saunders, who you got? Okay, mine is this, and again, I don't have a vote either. The reason being, not to get too technical, I've been covering the Rockies for far more than 10 years, but I missed two years without a baseball card in another role, and that disqualified me. So I started from scratch in 2012. And I'm appealing that decision okay. for you, correct? Right. <laughs> My thinking is this, and if I actually had a Hall of Fame ballot, you're allowed to vote for 10. I don't think I would. And my criteria is this. I wouldn't fill out a whole ballot just because I can. Right. To me, either a guy's a Hall of Fame or he's not, right? And, and let me just also paraphrase this by saying that if I had an actual ballot, I would probably have studied a little harder than I did for this podcast. Of course. But I did put some thought into this, and this would be my guys. Well, people are still going to roast you, but go ahead. Okay, my guys, if I had a vote for the 2020 Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, let's go with the two two local guys. I believe Todd Helton's a Hall of Famer, and we've already talked about Larry Walker. I think both of those. Derek Jeter's a no-brainer, uh, and he probably should be a unanimous pick. He might be. Uh, Scott Rowland. I went with. I debated him a lot. Uh, He played for multiple teams, uh, but I just looked at the totality of his work, his the way he played in big moments, big games. So I went with Scott Rowland. You know, I don't like Kurt Schilling. Let's be fair. I don't like his politics. But in, again, I think he's Hall of Fame baseball worthy. And his bloody sock moments. Yeah, well, you know what? A big game pitcher. Uh, he was a. He was a. Uh, uh, he was a uh, an animal out there. I think he's he's in my mind is a Hall of Fame guy. And I went with Jeff Kent, and I I explored Kent, and I almost didn't put him on for the basis of this podcast. But I went back and explored his career again with various teams and. He had some pretty damn good numbers, and he played big in some big situations. So I went with Jeff Kent, and I know he could be kind of a prickly guy. I know, you know, he demanded he wanted to get out of Philly, and he was very public about it. He made a lot of enemies. He and Barry Bonds were enemies. <laughs> yep. But um, that that is my valid. Helton, Walker, Jeter, Jeff Kent, Scott Rowland, and Kurt Schilling, and of course, as you well know, Kyle, I have left off the steroid boys, and I don't want to get into a big rant about this. I'm sure we can do that at another time. Um, you know, I'm sorry. I think part of it is because you and I are different generations. You know, I, I grew up watching these guys. Well, yeah. I did too, and I actually covered some of these guys. Uh, but I also think, um, you know, we could get into a whole thing on this, and we probably will at some point, but... I can't get over the fact that they cheated. They knew they cheated. They concealed the fact that they cheated. Baseball is the Hall of Fame. We're talking about Larry Walker's statistics. We're talking about all these other players whose uh, validity and eligibility of the Hall of Fame is dictated on how they stack up against other Hall of Famers. And when you throw in the fact that they stick needles in their butts and juiced up and that propelled them to astronomical numbers. It skewed the entire an entire generation of baseball. I'm sorry, I'm enough of a purist that if I actually had a vote in good conscience, I couldn't do it. I couldn't vote for those guys. To me, uh, there are things in this world still uh, that are absolutes and there are black and whites. And to me, the Hall of Fame, Baseball Hall of Fame, which I think is the best Hall of Fame there is, uh, that still matters. So that's my uh, soapbox, and that's how I feel. And I, and I respect your point of view. I do. 
Uh, I understand a lot of people and a lot of younger people such as yourself think, give me a break. Uh, Barry Bonds is the greatest offensive player of all time, uh, even without steroids, and you may be right. But he cheated, he knowingly cheated, and I read Game of Shadows three times, and two journalists who I think went above and beyond the call spelled it exactly what happened, how it was concealed, and that was enough to convince me that Barry Bonds uh, basically is a baseball outlaw. Hey, and I, I respect your soapbox. I respect it. I respect the position. Um, you know, just from my end of it, and you kind of summed it up pretty succinctly there, but, you know, this is the these are the guys I grew up watching, Bonds, Sosa, Clemens, uh it's an, it's a black eye era in baseball for sure, you know, but it's an era. All these players played in it. To your point, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, easy first ballot Hall of Famers without steroids anyway, in my opinion. So I respect that some writers like you want to keep them out because of that. In my opinion, it's like it kind of was part of the era and we'll just, everyone knows and we'll deal with this going forward in the way it is. I mean, Everyone knows when we say Barry Bonds, of course you think Hall of Fame type player, but steroids are all, always going to come to mind. You know that legacy is always going to be there, whether he's in the Hall of Fame or not. So that's that's why I say one more question. If you know who knows, they might get in because they're surging. If Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, I don't think Sammy Sosa is going to ever get in. But let's suppose uh, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds get in. Do you think there should be any sort of asterisk? either on Baseball Reference or in the Hall of Fame plaque or anything to signify they were did this in the steroid era, or are they just in like anybody else? Yeah, I think they're just in. Okay. I mean, just I, I some people have said that. Yeah, I wouldn't asterisk them because, you know, I don't want to say everybody was cheating, but, like, this was the steroid era. I mean, yeah, Barry Bonds, Terminator Bonds is at the forefront and, like, kind of the face of it, but, I mean... He was dominating on, on another level before steroids, and then he took it to an ungodly level after that. It was kind of fun to watch as an 8-, 9-, 10-year-old kid, all right? Let me tell you. But I understand. Like, the sanctity of, I mean, now, now, now let me tell you this. If Nolan Arenado got hit with a PED suspension or, you know, something big, like, that would that would probably impact the way i voted for him for the hall of fame in 15 20 years why because it's a different era it's it's yeah because it's the line's been drawn now okay. like it was a wild western and, and let's be honest like the league the journalists that covered the league i mean yeah game of shadows did a great job but i mean it kind of played out in front of everyone's eyes and we just wanted to believe it was just cool right starting with the home run chase with mcguire and sosa and, and continuing into to bonds and like Wow, this is awesome. Like, let's not think about maybe if there's something else causing this. Let me ask you one more question, and we'll, we'll leave this alone. Who's the legitimate all-time career home run champion in your book? Is it Barry Bonds or is it Hank Aaron? Oh, you know, that's a good question. It's on this one where I'm probably maybe less pro bonds than I typically am. Cause I mean, listen, Barry Bonds, one of my favorite players. And I do think he's the greatest player, positional player of all time. But yeah, when you're talking about a home run record and you know, wasn't like he beat Aaron by 200 home runs. Like that's, 
that's uh, maybe there should be an asterisk next yeah, to that well, one. So right. that kind of goes to my point about the numbers and how steroids skews the numbers. So you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's there's a lot of different arguments in this, and it's probably never going to be solved. And you know, who knows? At some point, they might get in, and you know, I guess the argument will start up all over again. Again, folks, on the Rocks podcast, Patrick Saunders alongside Kyle Newman discussing Larry Walker's candidacy and the Hall of Fame ballot 2020. Didn't come to any blows over the uh, steroid guys' improvement from last year's podcast on this subject. Appreciate you listening in to the show and uh, be sure to tune in over the next couple weeks. We'll have a few more podcasts coming out on Rockies Hot Stove and much more. Be sure to head to denverpost.com slash Rockies. And until next time, folks, take it easy. easy.